Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. I got a whistle in my heart today, What? <laughs> was I distracted? I'm reading my clothes was and I I'm bothering think- you. <laughs> Just I was whistling. wondering if we were getting some feedback I'm somewhere. In a good, I'm in a nice mood. I was whistling. Well, this weather will put you in a good mood. Why does it make you feel better to whistle? Why is that? I don't know. You're making your own music. You're Doesn't whistling it? a favorite tune. It's like when, when a person whistles, it's a happy... You never hear anybody in a, a bad mood whistling, right? No, you don't. Somebody who's you know mean or about to attack you. <laughs> like coming at you with the dagger going it's <laughs> just in a good mood whistling it's a beautiful morning it is a wonderful morning out there and we must take advantage of it because there won't be many more like this for a while well thanks for putting that uh heavy blanket on <laughs> good well I, I guess i'm wrong i guess you can't I guess you can't have bad news and whistle <laughs> at the same time. It's never happened. It was such a nice day yesterday, and it's going to be a carbon copy today, right? Pretty much, yes. Partly cloudy, a little cloudier than yesterday, but a high in the upper 70s. Yeah. And uh, tomorrow, high in the mid-70s oh, once again. Good. Yeah, that's nice. You know, I but spent then the, the bottom drops out. All right, all right, I heard you. <laughs> I spent uh, yesterday, a lovely day, two hours on the phone with AT&T. Oh, wonderful. That sounds terrible. Your call is very important to us. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> what was the music they were using while oh, you were on hold? That's the most, uh, that should be uh, outlawed. Music, music on hold should be outlawed. <laughs> And and because of it, like it repeats every oh yeah forty five seconds right I I think that music is there to uh, wear you down. <laughs> also, can't they just stop with the lie that it's important to them? Yeah. If it was important, then yeah, you'd my, be talking. Pick like up it. my call is not important to you. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have somebody on the other line who I could understand. Now, okay, what was the reason for this two-hour dissertation some, some with AT and T? Some technical issues with my internet. Did you did you get okay? Did you get satisfaction? No, I just, did not. Oh, That's the best even part. Worse, still broken. Yeah. Wow! After two hours, after two hours, I was not whistling yesterday. I'll well, tell you that much. <laughs> no, you weren't whistling a happy was, tune. No, no, I was not. You were using verbal uh, verbal uh, language I that we cannot hear. I had a few air. other thoughts on my mind after two hours on the phone. Yes. Hey, Good times were celebrated last night for our pal Andy Mazur. As we uh, told you last week, Andy, Andy got married. Andy and uh, Melina uh, tied the knot actually in San Diego. Uh, I think it was, Shwani, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Yes, two weeks ago, uh, they this weekend. Right. On the beach? On the beach. Like those hit, like young hippies like to do. <laughs> and that was a gorgeous picture, it's too. A gorgeous picture yeah. of them on the, on the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Right on mm-hmm. the ocean. 
And then they had a big uh, celebration for family and friends here uh, last night. And those of us who really care about Andy, who uh, you know really uh, want to be there for him, we were all uh, in attendance last night to join in the joy and the love of this beautiful uh, relationship. Every single person who cares about Andy was there last night. And your point is? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> there were a couple of vacancies at my table. I know. Believe me, when there was... there was uh, You had a medical emergency. I had emergency. A, a, something that came up yeah. uh, yesterday uh, to the point where we did have to uh, uh, go to the hospital. Oh, I, spend, didn't, I didn't know you went to the hospital. We were at the uh, ER at Northwestern oh. for eight hours Holy yesterday. Holy smokes. Yeah. What is up with that? Yeah. But I'm happy to say but everything's that, okay. Yeah, I'm happy to say emergency. that things are 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 all right. We're yeah. uh, moving along. Okay, good. Um, all right, good. But uh, we had some real concerns right. yesterday. After. Well, you're excused then. And I was ve- I was very much in touch with the groom on this. He told me. Yeah. Okay. He told me. Melina came up to me and said, uh, "Dean, I have uh, some bad news. Uh, Shwani's not going to be here." I said, well, you know, that's not necessarily bad news if you've, <laughs> if you've ever hung around with them. Did you start whistling? Privately. <laughs> yeah. I started whistling. Uncontrollably, I started whistling. <laughs> I didn't know it was that serious. I didn't know a hospital was visit. Yes. So yes, it was. It kind yeah. of ruins all my jokes that I had planned to make fun of you now, but well, that's all right. No. I'm glad everything's okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're much better. Uh, all right. Well, you missed a great time. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It, I a, must. I must be specific. I must be a little more specific. Uh, it involved Gilda, not me. Yeah. So, uh, but we were very concerned and uh, made the decision early yesterday afternoon to um, to go to the ER. And I'm, yeah. I'm really glad we did because yeah. we got help. Eight hours in the emergency wait, waiting to get into the emergency. We room. waited oh. about five, and it was another three oh. before we finally uh, left the hospital a little after eleven o'clock last Holy night. Smokes, that's awful. Yeah, that's that, that's some something's wrong with the healthcare system when people have to wait that long. That's not the first time that I've heard that about Northwestern. That was uh, quite the wait. Quite the wait. Although once we did get into the emergency area itself, uh, they were they were they came right in and started to address the situation. Oh, good, yeah. I mean, most of all, that, that everything is okay. Yes, that's the yes, main, that's the main part. Right, right. The other part was I got double portions of everything <laughs> because you were not at the table. So. <laughs> The waiters kept coming by, or it's like, are, are we expecting two more people? And I kept saying yes, so they keep bringing food to the table. You know, for, for your, 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 you just keep saying they'll have some more. Yeah, they to just, the empty seats. They just stepped away for a moment. Could you bring more <laughs> fillet, please? Yeah. Who's this what guy was, sitting what, over what, in the what, corner who's what, had three fillets? What was on the menu? Well, it was your choice. fillet, of course. It was yes. your choice. It was, and I guess I can say where it was, right? Because it was excellent. It was oh the location. Of it's course, one, it was one of my favorite restaurants in the city. Uh, Joe's uh, Stone Crab and Seafood uh, down on what is it like Russian Grand, right? Uh, it's a spectacular restaurant, spectacular seafood restaurant, and 
they they had steaks. So you had a choice of several different kinds of seafood as your entree, or you could pick filet, or you could pick uh, chicken. So, you know, it wasn't like they brought you a big platter of mastacholi or something, you know, like those kind of weddings. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've enjoyed those kind of weddings also. But I had a, a delicious, maybe one of the most delicious Chilean sea basses that uh, I ever had. And, Shwani, you had the filet, which I also enjoyed very much. Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. yeah. What was the side? Uh, they had uh, some beautiful roasted asparagus. And mm, uh, like, I love uh, roasted asparagus. Oh, it was so good. And, so uh, it was a filet, not steak tartare. No, not steak, <laughs> steak tartare. Do you like steak tartare? I've never had it. <laughs> Disgusting. I just like to say steak tartare. I can understand why. That's <laughs> not a, a, a funny phrase to talk about. Uh, <laughs> not a big fan of uh, the raw ground raw beef. Meat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why raw fish doesn't bother me, but raw ground beef. I'm just not a fan. I, I know a lot of people like it. But uh, a spectacular meal uh, and, uh, you know, lovely, uh, lovely cocktails and uh, a bunch of old friends. Lots of uh, WGN alumni were, were there. Uh, Andy's parents, I have, you know, we've talked to, right, a million times yes. on, here on the yes. show. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Mazur. Mr. and Mrs. Mazur. And it was my first time meeting them in person. And uh, they're even more lovely in person. Andy's dad had me cracking up, telling jokes. I'll bet. Yeah. Uh, and talked about you and your dad, the, the guy oh, that you That got, was you guys a went wonderful afternoon last year, just last year, when yeah. uh, we had lunch uh, up at Hackney's in uh, Glenview. That's what he told yeah. me. Yeah, that's what he told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you and your dad were both uh, remembered uh, by him and uh, thank you yeah thank you it was uh, it was just a very 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 lovely evening old friends new friends uh, you know delicious food I got to eat Chwani's portions uh, so <laughs> with dessert what was for dessert uh, well you know they have the signature key lime pie at uh, Joe's Stone Crab I didn't have that oh that sounds so good I do love their key lime pie mm. but they had a chocolate uh, like a chocolate it's almost like a chocolate fudge cake and I was in a chocolatey mood last night so I had that last night excellent for, for dessert Excellent. Several choices. That was the nice thing. Several, several, wonderful. Several choices. That's what. Uh, so, congrats to uh, Melina and Andy. Believe me, both of us are very, very sorry we could not be there. Well, I'm. Oh, you know, the 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 health uh, uh, of Gilda is what matters, and uh, I'm glad that, that she's feeling. I'm, I'm glad that you got things taken care of. I did. I did not know that it was as serious as it, as it was. It was uh, very concerning I yesterday was, afternoon. Yeah, I was. I was just told that you called off at the last minute. <laughs> That's all I knew. Uh, I'm not going to come. <laughs> I'm not going. No, I'm not going to go. It's too nice of a day. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm taking a shower and everything. And uh, well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that everything was okay. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Uh, the, I'm. I'm disappointed to say the hokey pokey was not. <laughs> it was my favorite part of every wedding. <laughs> I was very much looking forward to putting. Did you try to um, my left foot start in, one? My left foot out. I could see you in the outside the the restaurant. My right know. foot in. My right, right foot, foot out. Shake it all about. <laughs> That's what it's all about. That's when people came up to me and go, uh, "Grandpa, are you okay?" 
<laughs> this man seems to. We better get him over to Northwestern right away. <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for America's favorite feature, the far-flung forecast, our weekly recap of fascinating facts and figures presented to us each week by Mr. Dave Schwan. David Schwan. David Schwan. I've decided I want to start calling I thought you were going to call me Steak Tartar Schwan. <laughs> well, I couldn't really think of anything, so <laughs> my fallback is to call you David, and then you go, you what? never you never call you me You never do. You, you never, never call do. me David. And you've called me names that we can't say on the air, I've either. called them those things many more times than I have David, I'll tell you that much. Oh. What do we have today? Well, today... We have a very fascinating uh, location oh, today. Oh, Shawnee, every week is a fascinating Well, this one even more so, because first of all, it's not in the United States. Oh, wow. We have an international location today. Check in your fact, passports, everyone. We are going 90 miles off the coast of Florida to San Cristobal, Cuba. 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 See, San Cristobal, Cuba, which has uh, been included in the, uh, let's see, the Artemisa province of Cuba. It's my favorite province. A population, <laughs> population 70,000. Now, let's do a little history here. Why do you think we are talking about San Cristobal, mm. Cuba, today? Because you're trying to score some free cigars from someone? No. <laughs> no. No, no, I not at all. I finally figured out after all these years why you picked the far-flung topics. Well, now because you're 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 trolling for free stuff from these little. Well, towns. it was 60 years ago this month that San Cristobal was one of the first sites discovered by our reconnaissance flights Ooh. that these Russians had nuclear missiles. Oh. That was one of the first locations for the sightings of those missiles, an event that uh, developed into the Cuban Missile Crisis 60 years ago this month. And 60 years ago yesterday, President Kennedy went on national television. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. It shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States, requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union. Very, very, very tense times. And you know, you listen to parts of that speech and you can hear his voice quavering. He was scared. He was, it was a young, what was he, like 35 years old? He was 43. Yeah. Yeah. 35th president. 35th right. president. Right, oh, right, yeah, right, 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 right. But he was, was in his early to mid 40s. He was a rookie president, brand new, young man against uh, this old war dog, Nikita Khrushchev. Khrushchev. yes. And I, I don't remember that specifically. I don't think I was, you know, at that age, I don't think I was tuned into, you know, the world events at that time. But I do remember in school that we would have uh, drills 
all the time. If a bomb, if if the uh, you know, uh, if a nuclear attack was, was made inevitable. on the U.S., yeah. what do you do and yeah. where do you go? And remember, every building had uh, fallout shelters. Fallout shelters. Where you went downstairs. Then, yeah. yeah. Yep. What was it? Duck and duck and cover. Duck and cover. Remember duck and cover. Right. All, and all and men should wear wide brimmed hats to to protect yourself. Yeah. But, uh, Which is why I still wear one. <laughs> San Cristobal, Cuba, though, one of the first sightings of these missiles that, by the way, you know, everything turned back. Uh, it was uh, There was a saying that uh, Khrushchev and Kennedy were looking at each other eye to eye, but one of them blinked. Yeah. Happened to be Khrushchev, and they moved the That's missiles out. Isn't that something about, oh. I mean, the the resolve of President Kennedy... Yeah, uh, what it what it took. I mean, you definitely can hear quivering in his voice. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, maybe one of one of the very first threats on our own native land back then. Right, and uh, so what, a, a lot was at stake. And um, you know, he he stood he stood his ground. He stood firm, and Khrushchev was the one that backed off. One of the people that worked kind of behind the scenes was his brother, Attorney General Robert Kennedy, who helped successfully negotiate uh, the end to this, where the United States would agree at some future date to move some missiles out of Turkey. And that kind of set the stage for the Soviet Union to say, okay, if you're going to do that, we'll move these out then. And that was it, but wow. Shwani, you're right. This was an exceptionally interesting far I told you, and now a beautiful day in San Cristobal, 78, going for a high of 86 today. look at that. He's still trying to get free cigars out of it. 9.36. Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGN. So I'm all right now. Guess what I did for the last week? Spent the whole week in quarantine. Uncle Dean got COVID again. My second time, my second go around. Uh, my first time was pre-vaccine, or as I like to call it, COVID classic that I had. Uh, but this time, this time last week, I wasn't feeling great when I was doing the show last week. I, te- I, I did a, a COVID test before I left the house uh, last Sunday morning and tested negative. I thought, all right, well, I got a little, I'd been on a couple of planes, got a little sniffle, I got caught a little something along the way. But as the show went on, as the day went on, uh, I was really beginning to feel much worse and congested and the whole ball of wax. Did another test, and I was positive. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I did what uh, Dr. Kevin Most has uh, been telling us this whole time. Uh, put myself into. Uh, in fact, I I, I texted uh, Kevin, uh, and uh, you know he advised me uh, what to do: get get rest, get fluids, uh, and stay away from people, which is what I did. I spent I spent the whole week at home. Uh, I can't even tell you the number of Camp Lejeune commercials that I've seen uh, watching television all week in quarantine. But uh, Kevin, as uh, as always. Uh, you know, th- thank you for helping our listeners every week, but thank you for for your help with uh, my little bout uh, of it all. I feel a thousand times better this week. I, I feel fantastic. And you tell me I'm not contagious anymore. 
Yeah, Dean, you know, it's good, too. I think that you're kind of a poster child now. You've been boosted and boosted and had it twice. And really, the impact of this illness, because after we talked that first day, I said, hey, let me know how you're doing tomorrow. And the next day, you were just kind of hanging in there and really didn't get as bad as many people have gotten who haven't been vaccinated. So yeah. kudos to you, and, and thanks for being our lab experiment. Yeah, <laughs> happy, to, happy, happy to be the, the example for everyone. Uh, it, you know, it, it, compared to the first time that I had it, as I, as I said, pre-vaccine, and that was awful. That, that first uh, time around was horrible. This one was, was kind of like having a bad cold. I was very congested. I was coughing a lot. I had a sore throat. But I, I could tell, you know, every day that the symptoms were going down a little bit, going away a little bit. And uh, I just, I did a lot of sleeping and, uh, you know, like that. And, you know, I figured I had been on planes <clears throat> a couple of uh, uh, times within that week. That's probably where I picked it up, I, I suppose. Uh, I had been at a funeral where there's a lot of, you know, handshaking and, you know, and all that. Uh, so, you know, who knows? Who knows where it was? But I, I, all I kept thinking during this whole thing was, thank goodness for all the vaccinations that we had, because I'm able to compare what it was like pre-vaccine to now being fully vaccinated uh, to where, yeah, you get sick, but it's nothing, nothing at all uh, like uh, what happens the, uh, the first time. And yeah, Dean, it's interesting the way you describe that, too. You had plenty of exposure points, right? Um, <clears throat> and what everyone really needs to understand is if you have even symptoms of a cold, don't go to that wake. Don't go to that funeral. If, you're getting, if you have to travel, make sure you wear a mask. Because I think what's happening is the complacency of many people say, oh, I just got a little cold. But, boy, I, I really need to go to this wake to show my support to the family on their loss. And next thing you know they've exposed, you know, five, six, seven people, 10 people, right, and, right. and this continues to spread. Right. For for me, it was before I was symptomatic in any way. But I... Oh, I, no, I'm thinking you probably got better chance that you got exposed at a wake or funeral uh, where people are, you know, giving hugs and, and oh, talking closely yeah, than possibly. the airport where I know how safe you are and, and you know, you're masked when you're in right. the airport. And, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I still uh, contacted uh, as many people as I could remember that I came in physical contact with and said, hate to tell you this, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, this is going on. So, you know, watch for symptoms, maybe get test yourself and. Uh, so as far as I know, nobody got back to me and said, uh, you know, thanks, uh, numbskull, for passing that along. As far as I know, I did not pass it along to anyone else. So hopefully uh, that was the case. But uh, as as we say every single week to Dr. Kevin Most, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, it's nice, Dean, advice. that you won't be known as Typhoid Dean for the next couple months. Right, so. right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Superman right now, I guess, right? <laughs> Uh, what's yeah. the, so what's the latest go, going on with this? I've been, you know, I've been, well, first of all, I heard that, you know, I'm in good company. The uh, the director of the CDC also tested positive uh, the, this past week, also with mild symptoms, which is how I would uh, describe mine. So, uh, you know, uh, anybody can get it, I guess, right? You're absolutely right. I mean, here's Dr. Walensky, who's going to be the poster child for promoting vaccinations and promoting, um, you know, masking and that everything. And and she ends up with it. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in the 
medical side kind of looking at her going, you know what, you made this statement about masks not being needed in healthcare facilities and, you know, uh, and here all of a sudden you show up positive and it's, again, one of the unfortunate missteps of the CDC saying, oh, you know what, we're doing okay. And then here the director ends up positive a few days later. Yeah, uh, it, which also, you know, got me thinking. I, I know that uh, children, is it under five years old now, can be vaccinated for uh, for uh, get all the latest and greatest vaccines? Is, is that right? Correct. Yep. And that just happened last week, which is really key because when we look at vaccination rates, these are these young kids who haven't been vaccinated, haven't been exposed to anything. And I'll tell you right now in the world of pediatric medicine across the entire country, we are extremely high concern because of the shortage of pediatric beds. I was on a call on Friday with a hundred chief medical officers from around the state um, speaking with the director of IDPH. And we were just sharing with them that we have no beds. And we're talking about individuals. <clears throat> Some people downstate had to send individuals to Indianapolis. Some people up had to send uh, children to Green Bay because those were the closest beds. So really the strongest message I can say right now for the the pediatrics, especially coming into trick-or-treat day, is, man, make sure your kids are vaccinated. I can tell you, if you've watched the national news, it's been the lead story the last three nights on NBC National News about the shortage of pediatric beds, and we really need to make sure we care for these kids and protect them as much as we can especially if we don't have anywhere to put him in a hospital. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Halloween. Uh, I was wondering about that because, you know, kids are going to be running from door to door yelling trick or treat. Uh, some of them will have masks on. Do those do Halloween masks protect you? Uh, is there a great uh, chance that kids or the person passing out the, the treats uh, could be at risk from the simple encounter of answering the doorbell, handing out some candy, the kids run away. Yeah, this is one year I would say be careful. You know, careful for the kids. Obviously, do all the things to make sure the kids are safe as far as what they're wearing and and, um, reflective tape if they're going to be out late, all that. But really, what you're talking about is probably even more important. After all, these little kids are excited. This is their day. And many of them probably won't have masks on because they're just not going to wear a mask. And for them to be three feet away from you yelling trick-or-treat and then thank you, boy, if I was if I'm handing out candy on, I'm going to wear a mask because I'm more concerned about the little kid who isn't going to miss that day. Even if they have some symptoms, they're going to fake it or they're going to say, I feel fine because that is their day. And uh, exposure is going to be very high or a chance of very high exposure to those answering the doors and handing out candy. Yeah, remember the first Halloween after the pandemic was announced and people were rigging up these, uh, you know, sort of sliding devices from their front door to put candy in a a slide so the kids wouldn't even come near the the front door uh, to to limit the exposure during all that. Is, Is that overkill to go back to something like that? Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't say. I mean, if you do it and it's fun, the kids probably have as much fun doing it as as it is keeping you safe. But I certainly would be careful this year, just because the amount of BA four, BA five that are that's out there right now, and the low rates of vaccination. So, so few people have gotten this bivalent that all these little kids that can carry it around, and we know 
you know, our great breeding grounds for viruses are going to be running and being right within feet of you. And you don't know who they are or what their situation is. They're there for 10 seconds, but uh, they'll certainly spread the illness. Let me take a break. We'll come back and get to your questions for Dr. Kevin Most, 312-981-7200. Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGN with Dr. Kevin Most. Talking all things COVID and all things health. Kevin, you'll be able to relate to this because you did come to our Tree Time broadcast several years ago uh, that I will now, since I had COVID this past week, and you tell me I'm not contagious now, right? That after five Correct. five days of quarantine, I'm okay. I'm still not going to open the Dean Richards kissing booth uh, as uh, we normally uh, do when we do our tree time show this year. We'll have to find Boy, some. that'll impact how many people come out. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be very disappointed to yep. Uh, yep. Yep. not be able to, to you know to step on up. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? A question came in uh, from the 847. Dean, when you got COVID this time, had you been wearing your mask whenever you were indoors or with other people. I, I would say that I had my mask on when I was around crowds of people. Uh, I, w- I was not as diligent, you know, one-on-one with people. You know, if I went to dinner, uh, we, you know, we didn't have masks on at the table, you know, that sort of thing. Should I have? Should I, should I have the mask on? I, I mean, well, should, should people be doing that? Yeah, you know, I think if you're going to be in crowds that you don't have control over, that you don't know, Certainly, it's an option if people are super concerned or you're immunocompromised or you have someone at home that's immunocompromised. Um, but like you said, you know, when you got it, it felt like a bad cold this time. So there's a lot of people with the mitigation strategies that we've used in the past that have just kind of put those aside. I would say, you know, coming into the holidays, I would just be a little bit more careful right, right. around now. Right. We're going to be all in inside. Weather's going to change again. And, and uh, we certainly want to slow this thing down because... Those sub-variants are popping up again, and which is not fun. Yeah, and as you had, have uh, you been telling us for the last three years, those masks protect you from giving something to someone else. It's not as effective protecting you from somebody who may have it talking into your face. Is that right? Correct. I mean, unless you're wearing an N95, you know, it, it's really... It's a barrier to slow down is the spread for one thing. And it, the other big thing is it stops you from touching your face. It top, stops you from touching your nose or your mouth, yeah. which is certainly one thing that's going to restrict or slow the spread to you if you've been exposed and it's on your hand. Ron is uh, 312-981-7200 with Dr. Kevin Most. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm planning next week on going to South America, Patagonia. I'm wondering what's the outlook for international travel at this point in time. Is that safe to do those kinds of things? Absolutely, Ron. You know, it's nice you're going to South America. You're you're at the end of the tail end of their flu season, so you're going to miss out on that while we are starting to ramp up for ours. Um, but certainly, you know, travel at the airport is going to be important. Now, I will say that you have to understand that the vaccination rates in those countries, depending on where you're going to be, might be quite low. So I would be careful of uh, being where you're at. Try to use some of the other strategies of distancing, washing hands, et cetera. Um, but certainly we haven't seen any huge outbreaks in South America that have caused increased hospitalizations. I hope you're fully vaccinated 
at this point, and I would recommend getting the BA4, BA5 bivalent uh, prior to traveling. Well, yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. The only thing is uh, I've been on an antibiotic lately, and the pharmacist said don't take the new Omicron thing while you're on an antibiotic, so I've had to hold off on doing that one. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you don't. Some people say yes. Some right? people, yeah. Some people say yes. Some people say no. If you're on an antibiotic for upper respiratory infection, that's been proven to be bacterial, which is very few, or a sinus infection. Um, your immune system is fighting that. In your situation, though, I would be careful just because once you leave, you're not going to be able to get that vaccine in South America, and the chance of you getting exposed kind of increases. So. Uh, if you can, I would try to get it. It won't peak until two weeks, but certainly if you've been vaccinated, it will start to work within just a couple of days to get you some protection. Ron, good luck to you with that, and thank you for the call. Mary, you're next on WGN. Hello. Hi. First of all, I miss out on the kitchen booth, and I've been to most of your tree time shows, so <laughs> I don't know where well, that was. maybe next year. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe next time. I was going to ask Dr. Most, I'm concerned about the study that if you didn't get COVID, that you would increase risk of Alzheimer's. And I'm wondering what he thought of that study that came out. Yeah, Mary, you know, that study, and, and we all have to take every study right now with a grain of salt. We have to remember that we still don't know the cause of Alzheimer's. We still don't know any treatment options for Alzheimer's. This disease, COVID, has been here for such a short period of time that any stipulation or any um, jump to judgment saying, boy, if you do this, you're going to have an increased chance of, of Alzheimer's with COVID. I would be very hesitant. Those numbers are not big enough. We don't have a longitudinal time to study this. And again, we're still trying to figure out exactly what causes Alzheimer's. So I would not put much um, uh, weight on those studies currently. Oh, okay. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for the call, Mary. See you at the kissing booth. 2023, I guess. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, all the great information every week. Uh, Just a a quick reminder, too, uh, as uh, the month of October winds down, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, something that uh, both men and women ought to be aware of and and know uh, all the risk factors. You know, we've done uh, plenty of specials through the years here on WGN, but uh, just a a good time to remind everyone to check with your physicians about the risk of all that, right? Absolutely, Dean. Maybe we'll take a couple minutes next week to just hit on some of the high points and some of the concerns that people might have. Yeah, it sounds great. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great week, Kev. Thank you. Take care, Dean. We'll talk soon. It's kind of the uh, theme of the morning here, I guess, this has turned out. Because <laughs> I was whistling at the start of the show today. And I said, because uh, I was in such a good mood, because the weather's so nice. And you were recovering from, I didn't know you had uh, COVID last week. I did, week. yeah. Wow. And you're recovering that? You're feeling better? I feel 100%. You, were, you came into the newsroom just before the show, so chipper. Today. Not last week, though. Did you notice I didn't come in last week? Though? Yeah, I noticed that. I just I thought it was you just being aloof, antisocial, and aloof. Yes. <laughs> if I don't stop in the newsroom to say hello, that's usually because I'm running late. <laughs> you missed rehearsal, but I did. Uh, I did today because I wanted to see if everything was okay. Because Shwani was a no show at Andy's wedding reception. Andy Mazur's uh, wedding reception last night. Andy uh, Molina and Andy's 
wedding reception last night, but it was, it was a medical emergency. Uh, seemed like it was serious, but uh, everything has turned out okay. But you missed a great time. I know. I know. We're both very, very disappointed. People are that. posting pictures, uh, I noticed, on the Facebook this morning. Of the event? Of the event. Oh, of course they yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of old friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one picture in particular. There's a, a whole bunch of us. Melina, Andy, Andrea Darlis. Oh, sure. Was yeah. There. Pete McMurray. Mary Vandeveld uh, was there. A lot of old WGN friends. David Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Mark Silverman. But there's one picture in particular where I have my hand on my stomach. I don't. I don't know why. I just. I just did. Is this after the second fillet. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody posted. No, it was after the steak tartare. <laughs> somebody posted a picture saying that I'm having gastric disorder. <laughs> I'm having gastric disorder. It's just a. It's just a photograph thing I do. <laughs> to hold in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so if you want to see some pictures it's on uh on I, the facebook is it's say. on the facebook yeah it's on the facebook i imagine it's on the gram probably on the gram people were taking a lot of pictures and so if you want to see all that nice to have uh jordan with us this morning though, it is filling in yes yeah, always a pleasure it's good to be here always jordan nice to have years. jordan here today mm-hmm. who's going to win the world series jordan Right now, it feels like Philadelphia. Hmm. I mean, they are just... Are the Yankees know, out yet, or are they going to be out today? They're going to they're gonna be out today. Yes. I, I don't see them, they honestly... They haven't won anything, have they? No, it's 3 nothing. And Wow. You know, the funny thing, Dean, was like going into the series, all this was made about how the Yankees and Astros have this big rivalry because of 2017, and the Yankees thought that, you know, the Astros garbage can banging scandal is the reason they didn't win. So I thought, oh, this is going to be a great series. They're going to go back and forth. Houston has just killed them. Yeah. The no series. So, but, you know, I see on social media these Yankee fans that are so dismayed and upset. It's like, all right, you know. For, and for anyone that's over the age of 30, you have seen the Yankees win the World Series probably yeah, multiple times. Like 150 times they've won. That's <laughs> yeah. okay. It's all right if they don't win once in a while. Yeah, like cry me a river, Yankee fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, talk to a Cubs fan about that. <laughs> yes. More of this year's Tree Time Holiday Extravaganza. November 13th out of Tree Time Christmas Creations in Lake Barrington, and we will have with us, uh, live at the broadcast, Eddie Carosa Jr. and the boys from Illinois performing a live polka band. Uh, and Shwani, I hope you have your polka dancing shoes uh, ready to go for I this will. big event. Haven't worn them in years, but I'll get them out. I uh, yeah, I guess I guess uh, it's uh, perfectly safe, right? <laughs> to, to dance the polka with the the beautiful ladies that uh, join us out well, at the Lake of well, Barrington. Sure. That'll be very nice. I was watching a rerun. I was flipping around and I saw an old Lawrence Welch. I was show. just going to say, he, he every, it was never failed that at some point in his show he had a uh, doing a polka. There. He always uh, you know picked some ladies out of you know some hot chicks out of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick at me some hot the chicks. <laughs> How nice. The polka. How nice. But I'm flipping around, and the show cracks me up because, I don't know, at our house when I was a kid, 
<laughs> we watched the Lawrence Walk show every week. Oh, we had to watch it at my grandma's house. Yeah, it was a big deal then. But I don't know if it was my dad or my mom that was a big fan. Maybe both. Uh, but we watched. So it brings back a lot of memories. But the the acts are 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 great and hilarious at the same time because they're so dated. But as you say, it didn't take long for Lawrence to uh, you know be uh, picking out some hot chicks out and of the that's audience. Right. And they loved it. That's what I'm going to do. They loved it. In the Lawrence Walk tradition, we're going to be dancing to polka <laughs> out of the tree time. Did you see any episodes with Joanne Castle at the uh, honky-tonk piano? Oh, I used to love her. Yeah. Yeah, I used to love her. That would be fantastic. If we could create the Lawrence Walk Show vibe at our tree time Why show. don't we go a step further and recreate the Lawrence Walk Show? Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> You know where we can get an accordion player at the last minute? <laughs> Actually, I do. Actually, I think, you know what? I, I do. Eddie's, uh, Eddie Carosa's band has an accordion. No, I, I know. I know where. Eddie Carosa Jr., he has an accordion player, so mm-hmm. get that. We'll get the, maybe the, you know, who are the Lennon sisters busy? <laughs> are they still around? I don't think so. We can get them on. Were they on the show, the Lennon sisters? Lennon sisters were on, yes. Were Was on? it the Lennon sisters or the McGuire sisters? Mm, don't know. Well, one of those singing groups. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun uh, with that. Definitely, uh, Eddie and the boys will be there. But we're gonna be lining up uh, performers from some of the uh, theatrical productions around the Chicago area who will be joining us. Uh, we're gonna have uh, you know the, the comedians. We're, 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 as always, we always have uh, a really great time. All out at uh, Tree Time Christmas Creations, which is two twenty one oh two. North Pepper Road in Lake Barrington. Uh, get there early because it fills up really when the show starts at nine o'clock. The, People were there already. It's standing room You're, only at nine, at nine o'clock. That's so. three weeks from today now, right? Is it? I think so. Okay. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to that. We'll all be there except Andy. <laughs> Andy's Mr. Big Shot now, hanging out with uh, Dan Hampton and uh, Ed Obradovich. <laughs> Uh, so Andy Andy has to stay back in order to host uh, their pre-game show that day. So Andy won't be there, but all the rest of us, Elton Jim Toronto, uh, will be there undoubtedly in his Christmas regalia. With the festive pin. With his festive brooch uh, that he likes to wear. And uh, we'll have fun and games and we'll have food. And uh, it's, al- it's always a good time. We always have a good time. Now, the difference this year is that in one of the hours... One of the hours when the three bears are on the air uh, will still be out at tree time for one hour. So one of our hours will not be on the air. I'm told it will be on the web. So you'll be able to, you know, if, if you want to listen to us, uh, you can switch over to the web and see what we're doing. Uh, but then we'll be back on the air at uh, 12 o'clock. So uh, in that sense, that's the only thing that's different. Maybe we can do the, that's when we can do all the polka dancing. Sure. Yeah, in that one hour, mm-hmm. because dancing doesn't really work out on the radio that well. <laughs> this is still one of your efforts to have the all polka show on the station. Yeah. Isn't oh, it? I've been pushing for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for years. We've got the Sinatra show. We've got uh, you know these various music shows. Uh, why not a polka show? <laughs> what time would the polka show air? The, on uh, at the tree time uh, thing. Or the, the when I well, I mean your recurring polka when show. they finally give me my own polka show <laughs> yeah 
Well, I think it should be in morning drive myself. <laughs> I, I think so, too, actually. Yeah. I, I don't think Bob Surratt would mind getting off an hour early. <laughs> and, John Williams, <laughs> and John Williams gets a, a one-hour polka pre-show <laughs> right before his. See, the best would be the That's first day. Hey, you joke about it. That's a good lead-in for John Williams. <laughs> the first day of that, though, I would love to have like cameras in people's cars when they get in. <laughs> What the bleep is going on? Yeah, thinking they're going to hear Bob. (laughs) But instead, it's Sash Kowalski. (laughs) Between 9 and 10. That would be the greatest. (laughs) That would be the greatest. (laughs) So we'll see. Jordan, I've been pushing for this polka show for years. Believe me. I'm in for it. Oh, yeah. I've heard about it every Sunday for for the last 10 years. Twelve now. I haven't given up hope, <laughs> even though management no longer returns my phone calls. Your polka dream may soon come true. They, right. they let you in the building. That's they let me in the building yeah. when I show up. They pull the drapes on their on their windows. They see me coming by and they pull the drapes on their windows. Oh know. God, Dean's coming back with I'm the polka idea. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I hope you can join us. Uh, I hope you can join us live out of tree time. It's it's always fun. We always have a great time. And, but if you can't, make sure you're listening that morning. It's going to be November 13th. Shawana, you said what? Three weeks from today? I think it's three weeks from today, All yes. All right. We better get started booking some guests then. Uh, the, it's uh, your show. No, no, no. We've already... You never we, listen to me. We've already... What'd you say? We already <laughs> have... <laughs> we uh we've already we've got the wheels turning for uh some you know a lot of the performers who are in shows uh theatrical productions around the chicago area we've already put the word out to many of them to come and join us so i'm sure uh you know we'll get that locked up i would say within the next few days and uh you know we'll see we'll see what's going to happen we always uh have a good time november 13th Tree Time Christmas Creations, 22102 North Pepper Road in uh, Lake Barrington. Bring your dancing shoes is all I can say. Coming up on the program, a couple of young actors I think show a lot of potential. Mr. George Clooney, Ms. Julia Roberts, one-on-one with your Uncle Dean today. Going to be a little after uh, 1130 this morning to be talking theater with uh, a couple of directors and writers today talking about their new productions that have just opened and our pal frank ferrante from uh, cafe zazu formerly teatro zinzani joining us uh, in a little while also he's going to be doing his uh, night with groucho he's you know he in addition to zazu his show that he does he uh, also does a, a one-man Groucho Marx show, which is hilarious. Some of you may have seen it on PBS. Uh, it's, it's been running uh, in different cities. But Frank is uh, doing a new Groucho show here in Chicago. We'll give you all the details on that with Frank. Always an adventure when he stops by. Uh, that's coming up after 11 o'clock this morning. So have you grabbed a hot dog lately, by the way? And noticed, uh, you know, the prices are up. Prices are up on uh, everything right now, right? Uh, it's just the way that it is. But the Tribune did a breakdown. And uh, this is what they are reporting, that uh, a, uh, a case of hot dogs from Vienna beef increased 3%. Okay, that's not 
that's not crazy high, but still, prices up 3%. But listen to this. The price of tomatoes from last year are up 94%. Tomatoes are up 4%. Let's do the rest of the Chicago-style hot dog ingredients. A gallon of green relish up 23% over last year. A case of poppy seed buns up 10% over last year. A bag of white onions now cost uh, just a dollar more than it did last year, 4% up. But sport peppers are up 21%. And a single spear laid across the Vienna beef hot dog only cost about a penny, but it's up just a little bit. That is up 11% this year. So even the price of a Chicago-style hot dog, all all the ingredients, but wow, how about those tomato prices? Uh, I hope you did some growing and canning maybe of uh you know fresh tomatoes out of the yard to save uh, some money on that it, it doesn't seem to be stopping anybody uh you know driving by some of these places especially gene and jude's out in river grove which is my favorite hot dog place by the way uh i love that place i love their hot dogs i love how they serve them you know you get uh your your uh, chicago style hot dogs they won't even allow uh, ketchup uh in the uh, in their joint but they um uh you know they they just dump a big uh, load of french fries right on top of the hot dog so everything gets all steamy and greasy and delicious that's my favorite place you'd think with the prices going up people might be backing off a little bit there's always a line stretching outside uh, gene and jude's always i don't think i've ever been there when there wasn't a, a huge long line to get in to their credit god bless them people love them i love them I don't mind waiting in line to get that uh, goody-good goodness from uh, Gene and Jude's. And you, you go to most any place, Wiener Circle, and, you know, some of the smaller hot dog joints all over the Chicago area. Super Dog. Super Dog. They're Double not, Dogs. They're not waiting. You know, Super Dog, at least, you can pull up in your car. They have those old-fashioned I love it. Uh, things. You know, what, what do you call that? Like a menu that you push the button and you, yeah. talk, you talk into the menu and then the car hop comes out. And they bring you the food on the tray, and you know you can eat in your car. So your car smells like hot dogs and fries for the next four or five weeks. <laughs> That's a good smell. It is really is. I'm telling you, Glade is missing the boat not having that as a spray air condi- uh, air freshener. I would buy an extra set and just leave it in the back seat for a week and a half. The fries and the hot yeah. dogs. <laughs> this is as good an idea as when Kramer came up with the smell like the beach. The cologne. beach. Yeah. 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 Cologne that smells like Chicago style hot dog. <laughs> Think about how many Bears fans would be buying this. Oh, I would go get some for right now. You get in an elevator with somebody. <laughs> I am hungry. Is that ode to hot dog you're wearing? Anybody else starving? I'm really hungry. at that it is time once again for the weekend theater what's going on on stage in chicago let's cover it all 1037 uh, all of the holiday uh, productions around the chicago area all the traditional shows will uh, kick off 
within the next week or so. Certainly by early November, all of the holiday shows that are planned at the various theater, Christmas Carol, Nutcracker Suite, I was telling you about the Paramount's uh, Sound of Music, you know, which isn't technically a holiday show, but it's a very family-oriented show, which will be running out at the Paramount through the holiday seasons. And man, do they ever put on uh, productions for the holiday season out at the uh, Paramount. Uh, those are going to be going on. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of shows that uh, will be opening in the next couple of weeks, and I wanted to focus on a couple of those uh, for you today. Uh, our theater segment this week is sponsored by Chicago Shakespeare Theater's The Notebook. Let me bring uh, onto the program L. Walter Stearns, who is the director of the new show, which has just opened at the Mercury Theater on North uh, Southport. If you remember the old board game Clue or the motion picture Clue, you already have a clue into what this show is all about. Uh, Walter, welcome to WGN. Nice to have you with us. Well, hello. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, now talk to me a little bit about, uh, first of all, how much do you love this Mercury Theater? Is it just oh, one of the it's most a great place. delightful it's, it's theaters? It's our little jewel box theater, right? Yeah. I mean, every. Go Everybody's got a good seat. It's intimate. It's warm. It's friendly. It's everything Chicago theater is. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's not so small that uh, you know if uh, you know somebody walks across to uh, go to the restroom that they interrupt the show. But it, it's a nice, beautiful, intimate theater which has recently been renovated, uh, and it's it's just a great place to sh- see a show. But I'm so curious to uh, hear. Uh, what you're doing with uh, this one-time board game, thats that was my first introduction uh, to Clue, <laughs> and then later on became uh, a motion picture. Talk to me a little bit about this. Sure enough, yeah. Well, it was that it was that Parker Brothers board game that inspired a motion picture in 1985, and it is a classic movie. I know my family watches it every year for Thanksgiving. It's just one of those beloved comedies. You know, it's a murder mystery, but it's also a zany, farcical comedy with wild, fun characters. And and uh, and there's just such a unique chemistry of all of these characters that uh, that just uh, conspires to make a fun event. You know, you've got Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet, Professor Plum and. Uh, just uh, such wild and fun people. Yeah, Mrs. Peacock. I mean, yeah, it, it's not like uh, you know a, a murder mystery like a, a you know the Jimmy Lee Curtis would be in. I mean, this is kind of a fun thing, and it's definitely uh, set up for the whole family. How uh, yeah, I like to I like to say it has comic violence in it. Comic, you know, <laughs> that's the best kind of violence that there can be. Yeah. By, by the way, yeah. Yeah, it's it is kind of appropriate for the family, and it, it could be your holiday show. You yeah. know, it it's a unique, a good time, and um, it's just it it's a ninety minute one act comedy, and uh, you get in there and you have a lot of laughs with a lot of people, and um, it's just a good time show. Yeah, how do you how do you stage all of this? I mean, how do you make the adaptation? from the uh, motion picture to uh, stage uh, stage oh it is it is a lot and um you know the the board game had so many locations you know with the conservatory and the 
and the study and the library, and they had secret passages and all of that in the board game. And that translated to the movie. And so there are a host of locations in the movie. And so on stage, we have to find a clever way of reproducing like a dozen different locations in a very sort of fast and efficient way. So when all the characters say, oh, we've got to run off to the library or we've got to go off to the kitchen and uh, and they go off to the kitchen. And a second later, there they are. Um, The the scenery, the set is kind of a major character in the show. And... um, uh, our our scenic design it kind of unfolds like an origami. You never know quite what what it's going to turn into next. Yeah, I was going to say uh, a lot easier to do in a motion picture, right? Where right. they can start and stop and change scenes and all this and that. But you have to keep it seamless. Uh, in addition to the fact that this is a one act show, there's no intermission. So I mean, that's right. There, there's no time to reset. Uh, it is. It is very smooth. It is very fast. You know, at the top of the show, and and it's done in real time. So at the top of the show, you meet these characters. They arrive at Body Manor, this imposing, you know, fortress of a house. And uh, you meet the characters at the top of the show, and they are off to the races. And somebody says, oh, in 60 minutes, the police will be here. So they've got one hour to figure out all of these mysteries. And um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the, all the whodunits uh, with all that. I would think that the Mercury Theater would kind of lend itself to all this because uh, didn't the Mercury Theater first open in uh, in like the 1910s, something, something right. like that, right? That's right. It's, it's kind of a historic place. It's um, People don't realize, but we predate Wrigley Field. Uh, we're well over a hundred years old, wow. and it opened as a Nickelodeon, a silent movie theater. And in the nineties, uh, the theater producer Michael Cullen converted it into a live theater. And um, right. it's got a great kind of historic Chicago vibe to it, and um, it feels like a, like a really sort of luxurious night at the theater in a very in a in a sweet little jewel box theater space. Yeah, didn't it? Uh, you know, go through. A renovation again fairly recently when when you became yeah, uh, the, yeah. So kind we, of involved in it all yeah we've built out on the space so now we have a beautiful new cabaret theater that adjoins the theater is that and is we, that where the restaurant was uh it is yeah it is. Okay. so we've got a, a beautiful cabaret where we have live music and if you come to clue uh, we have special events happening in the cabaret. So you can come down and play the board game before the show. Oh, fun. We also have like little mysteries that you can solve in the cabaret. And on Sundays, I think we do clue trivia at the Venus Cabaret next to the Mercury Theater. Oh, that's really fun. Uh, so the Mercury Theater is 3745 North Southport in Chicago. For how long will clue be running? So this is the top-selling show in our theater's history. It is it, it's selling like crazy. And it is going to play now through the holidays, through January 1st. Perfect. So uh, get your tickets early is all I can recommend because they're going fast. Yeah, you can uh, contact the box office or you can go to Mercury Theater, spelled with an E-R, mercurytheaterchicago.com to get more information about Clue that is uh, running in Chicago through the holidays. Walter, it's great to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. 
Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You do the same. And we'll be right back to tell you about what's new at the Black Ensemble Theater next. All right, it's 1048, and this is Dean Richards. Sunday morning on WGN, our weekend theater segment, talking about uh, some of the big shows that are coming into town for the holidays and beyond. And uh, we always uh, enjoy uh, the shows that the Black Ensemble Theater uh, puts on. Our longtime pal, the founder and CEO of Black Ensemble Theater, Jackie Taylor, has been with us here on the show many, many, many times. And as part of their new season... Uh, they are putting on a show which uh, has uh, just gotten underway called The Season of Healing and Joy with Blue Heaven. And it is written and directed by Daryl D. Brooks. And Daryl joins us on the phone line right now. Daryl, good morning. Welcome to WGN. Good morning. Thank you, Dean. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always nice to have you with us. And uh, tell us what is The Season of Healing and Joy with Blue Heaven? Well, you know, I mean, uh, everything was shut down for the pandemic. We all know this, and and um, for safety reasons. And so, um, Black Ensemble wanted to come back uh, with a bang, but we wanted to come back with a message that you know, as we come out of this, that we need to make sure that we are healing and also bring that joy. And so, not only healing our bodies, but healing our minds, because um, you know, mental health is something that we all really need to take care of. And so, that's what our season has been about: is being able to understand and being able to take those steps to be able to heal um, from everything that is going on in the world, as, I mean, as well as the pandemic. Yeah, now the shows at the Black Ensemble Theater frequently focus on one performer and their legendary body of work. Uh, this one features several performers and the the blues genre in particular, right? Right, exactly, Yeah. Um, we uh, focus on Muddy Waters, we focus, focus on uh, Big Mama Thornton, Howlin' Wolf, B.B. King, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Wow, there's some heavy hitters yeah. right there. Absolutely. Well, you know how we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That is that is the truth. And doing justice to it all as well. It's not like, you know, you uh, you go to see a performance like this and go, oh, that doesn't sound anything like Howlin' Wolf. That doesn't sound anything like Muddy Waters. I mean, uh, that, you guys always nail it on the head uh, when, when you're doing these performances. And while I've seen many shows, uh, most of them have been R&B, I guess. Uh, I don't think right. I've, I've uh, seen a show which has been so focused on, uh, you know, the blues, which uh, right, you know, right. a, a lot of people say is so to the roots of music in Chicago. Absolutely. Well, we did a actually we did a show about just about Howlin' Wolf some years and years ago. Um, so, but that has been mainly the only one that's been based in the blues. But yeah, this one, this is this is. The blues is so rooted in Chicago. We felt that we had to do a show that just encompasses what the people of Chicago love. And, 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 and you know, I mean, Chicago loves the blues. Yeah, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, no matter, no matter what, how people will stand in line to see uh, and experience certain things in Chicago. Uh, th- that's the blues. I mean, you go to any of the blues clubs around Chicago right now, people are standing in line. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what the weather is like outside. People want to get inside that club and sit down and enjoy themselves and listen to this music, music that is 
just just really touches them to their their very core, don't you think? Absolutely, because blues is real. You know, I mean, not not knocking any any other type of genre, but the the blues comes from a place that is deeply rooted in where. Um, where these people are coming from, you know, and that's what this show does. It, it, it is deeply rooted from where the, the these people are coming from and the experiences that they've had. It's, it's blues in no way, shape, or form is superficial. Yeah, it's born you know, it's born out of rooted. the born out of the uh, experience uh, that that people have had. Uh, you know, trying to make a better life for themselves and uh, for their families. So, how do you put, absolutely how do you put the show together, Daryl? I mean, is it uh, is it mostly story? Is it all music? Uh, explain explain how it's all assembled. Well, I mean, uh, all all of it together. Um, you know, I mean, we started this. Uh, we're talking about coming out of the pandemic, and you know, I mean, theaters were some of the last things to open. Trying to figure out what we wanted to do, and so we have our limited capacity right now, still for COVID regulations, and we could only have five people on the stage. But before I had <clears throat> brought up to um, Jackie, Miss Taylor. Um, about doing a blues review, you know, just about just all music, like 40 songs of like, you know, blues songs and telling the history. But we decided we only needed to have five people on the stage. We could have five people on the stage. So I took the five most prominent people that I that I knew of. Uh, I'm not from Chicago. I'm originally from Virginia, but, you know, world-renowned. Um, and, and took them and researched them for about a year. Uh, uh, so I, I got the content and, 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 uh, for the storylines and everything that, that needs to be for the show, talk to people. Cause you know, black ensemble, you know, not only the actors, but the musicians were a wealth of, of, of help. You know, you got Jimmy Tillman who used oh, to play that. with those guys. You have sure. Rick Hall that plays with buddy guy. Now you have all these, you know, so being able to talk to a lot of those folks and hear those stories and, you know, being out on tour with all those folks and being able to grab, um, you know, grab that wealth of knowledge from them. And then, you know, the music just falls in place. You know, like I said, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the music comes from a real place. And when it comes from a real place, like the blues, man, putting it where it needs to go is, is an easy part. I think there's something like 24 songs in the show, 24, yeah, oh, 25 wow. songs in the show. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. that's something. Now this is, uh, it just opened. It's going to be running through November 27th. At the yeah. uh, Black Ensemble Theater, and uh, you can get more information by calling seven seven three seven six nine forty four fifty one, or by going to Black Ensemble Theater spelled with an e r dot o r g. And Black Ensemble, by the way, also has uh, a Christmas cabaret that's going to be coming up in December, December tenth, eleventh, seventeenth, and eighteenth. That I have to think is. Uh, you know, just going to bring out uh, some of the the best uh, performers ever doing some of their Christmas classics. I would guess, right? Absolutely, Jackie Taylor's "Joy to the World." That's what is. That's what is named. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> yeah, and Jackie Taylor has brought so much joy to the world. Please tell her I said hello and that I send my love, and uh, that uh, I I can't wait to see this show uh, as well. It is, uh, as I say, at the Black Ensemble Theater. Uh, season of healing and joy with Blue Heaven through December 27th. The writer and director of the show, Daryl D. Brooks. Daryl, have a wonderful Sunday today. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, when you hear my interview with George Clooney and Julia Roberts, I start off the interview going, uh, 
uh, well, nice of you to get dressed up because George Clooney was in a polo shirt. You know, I had a suit on. <laughs> Julia Roberts was, you know, dressed dressed to the nines. Clooney has a like jeans and a polo shirt. So I jokingly said, uh, "Nice of you to get dressed up." But uh, the the next guest that we have on the show uh, really did get dressed up. He's in his full he's in his full costume for the show that he's going to do at noon today. Uh, over at the Hotel Cambria, Frank Ferranti is back here again. Mr. Richards, I wouldn't miss your show for Look at a show. you all dressed y- yes. up. In yes. Yes. In your costume and makeup. And in makeup. Thanks a lot, Dean. This is how I always look first thing in the morning. Is that, I've never seen you early in the morning. <laughs> well, I don't think. Well, it's early yet. Before. Uh, Frank's got a special uh, show, uh, Shwani, coming up that uh, he does. We've, we've talked about this where he does his one man Groucho Mark show. That he is going to be reviving. We'll tell you uh, all about that uh, coming up in a few minutes. Frank, you'll love this. A text uh, came in. You'll just love that a text came in. Uh, somebody's actually listening to the show. But said uh, they, they said, how are you going to get rid of Frank Ferranti uh, at the end of the show? Because the last time you were here, you wouldn't leave. Well, it was. I like it here. Yeah. It's, it's very comforting. I enjoy your company. Yeah, but we but we couldn't get him off the air. That's true, Dean. Last time, he took his shoes and socks off. We got comfortable. He got very comfortable. So the the listener was asking, mm-hmm. uh, I, "How are you going to get rid of Frank today on the show compared to last time? We've strategically booked Frank this time, <laughs> so he has to leave because you have a show to go do. At I t- do at twelve noon today. I have a noon performance and a seven p.m. performance, but so I will skedaddle. Oh, you have a two show day. Two today. show day, but I, oh, Dean, I will, I will you. leave your hollowed studio. Look at you at eleven thirty. You know, just straight yeah. up there. What's it like when you're walking down Wacker Drive, dressed <laughs> the way you are? You know what? It's so funny. I have, you'd I have, probably fit right in. <laughs> I, well, if you went to Lower Wacker, you'd probably fit in uh, even more. Lower. W- <laughs> Well, that's a good point. I once ran through a an airport fully fully grouchoed in full groucho makeup oh. and costume to get to an airplane. That would be fun yeah. to see Grou- it, groucho running through an airplane. Yes, it was full on. So I'm, I guess I'm used. To, I'm, not, I'm not even aware anymore that I'm wearing ridiculous costumes in yeah. the, in public. But uh, I would pay any money to be going through security at O'Hare and seeing Groucho getting a full body cavity search in the next room. That'll be extra. Um, (laughs) Frank Frank Ferranti's here. We'll talk with him. Welcome back. 11, uh, 12 is the time. And this is Dean Richards Sunday morning. It is always delightful to have that well-known Chicago actor, Frank Ferranti. Uh, joining us in the studio today. You're born and raised in California. I was, but... Everybody thinks you're a Chicago actor now because you've spent so much time here. I spent more time in Chicago in the last several years than any place on the planet. Uh, happily. Yeah. And fortunately. Because I've been a Chicago theater fan since I was subscribing to Variety Magazine when I was 12 years old. Wow. And I was reading about Chicago theater. Yeah. And I always knew about Steppenwolf and I knew about the scene and I knew about it being a tryout town. And so I feel fortunate to be here All right frank stars in uh the uh what's it called the cabaret zazu cabaret zazu yeah uh at the hotel cambria in chicago uh super interactive music comedy uh really fun 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 show uh and brings out frank's best skills of uh being an improviser and working with the crowd and uh, just engaging everybody in the show and surrounded by fantastic singers dancers acrobats 
uh, contortionist. I need to get a contortionist to come to my uh, tree time uh, show. Well, I'm, I'm not good enough for you. Well, you're, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> I'm just thinking how great would it be to have a contortionist well, you know, we've out got, in Lake Barrington. You've seen, you've seen Olzi, and she's amazing. She yeah. does that whole top hat act, and she's one of the great. She's from Mongolia. Yeah. That's another thing. We have acts from all over the world, United right. Kingdom, Mongolia, Ukraine. Right. Yeah, well, we, we'll see what we can do. Let's well, get the we'll, con- we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, mm-hmm. about maybe Frank joining us at our Tree Time show. And if you can bring a contortionist I'm in. I know that you have a lot of friends, you know, in uh, twisted places. That's true. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see about all that. But in addition to Frank being in uh, Zazu, uh, Frank's uh, love for Groucho Marx precedes him in doing one a one-man show about Groucho Marx, both on stage and now on uh, that's running on PBS stations all over the country. Frank is bringing his uh, Night with Groucho show back to the stage here in Chicago on November the 22nd. That's right. Well, he's my hero. And, and you know, I've had a lot of at-bats, Dean. I've done the show 3,000 times, over 500 cities, including Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. And what I love about it, as you're suggesting, is that I get to improv. It's immersive. And that's what I do. I work the audience, and a third of the show is improvised. Every show's different. So I'm back. I was here last year. I was here the year before. And it's Groucho, it's Groucho's story. You don't even have to be a Groucho fan because of the improv. But it's got gr- songs from his Broadway shows and his movies and one-liners from his, from his films, storytelling. Uh, it's fast-moving two-act comedy. And, and my, I, have, I have this great musical director, Gerald Sternbach, who I'm flying in from the West Coast who's played for everyone on Broadway and, and, and everyone in the cabaret right, scene. Right. Now, uh, you know, people who have seen you in either uh, Zinzani or Zazu uh, know that you are nonstop during the show. I mean, it's but if if you haven't seen Frank do Groucho, you are completely nonstop in this yeah. Groucho show, running all over the place on top of tables yeah. everywhere. <laughs> singing songs i mean it's it's fun it, it's it's an amazing amazing thing that for you started as a kid right yeah I, I i saw my first marx brothers movie a day at the races when i was nine years old and became completely exhilarated i mean i couldn't believe what groucho was doing you and i are both fans so you know exactly what i'm talking about and and i and fans are the ones often who come to the show and i thought i want to be as crazy as this guy he's so free so chaotic and having the best time and i was being taught by nuns at the time and played by the rules and this Groucho was giving license to to go nuts, right. and and uh, I've been going nuts for ever since. Yeah, you've made a, you've made a nice living. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have going nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's November the twenty second. It's at uh, the the tent uh, in Hotel Cambria, same same location. Yeah. How do people get tickets for something like that? Uh, they can get it online, Dean. Thanks. Uh, it's Cabaret Zazu, Z-A-Z-O-U. Common spelling. Yeah, yes, yes, it is. That's why i got to say it. <laughs> Cabaret Zazu, Z-A-Z-O-U, O-U.com, CabaretZazu.com. Okay. And I'm going to be there on the 14th floor. It's right in the theater district, right next to the Nederlander, right yep. across from the Dearborn Hotel. Goodman Theater, right yeah. across. Yeah, and right. it's on my day off on a Tuesday. Right. And last year we sold out. And uh, it makes it excites me that that this type of comedy still holds up, and that audiences here want to show up for it. And that show, I play young Groucho. That's so it's very energetic. Young Groucho being the Groucho of the movies, you know, of, of Duck Soup and A Night at the Opera, and the other show that I did. I was hired by Groucho Marx's son Arthur Marx when I right out of college. That that other show I played, I played Groucho from age fifteen to eighty five, and I would do jokes like. 
Middle age is when you go to bed at night and hope you feel better in the morning. Old age is when you go to bed at night and hope you wake up in the morning. <laughs> you know, but this is more of a rat-a-tat-tat. And I love he does a joke. I do a joke in those shows. Uh, my, my dear friend Jack Benny said to me, uh, at my age, <laughs> I can't say it's a dirty joke. Oh, <laughs> thank, you. thank you for I'll editing. save it for you. Thank you for editing yourself on that. Uh, at, at my age, sex gives me motion sickness. That was the Jack Benny joke. <laughs> Robert Benchley joke, the old humorist. Like, yeah, aside from it. an occasional heart attack, I never felt better. So that's about so. But there was a lot of jokes like that. But mostly the show is like rapid fire and insane and fun. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we come back here. We'll talk more with Frank and see if we can get him to be late for his show. Uh, <laughs> says who? A noon uh, matinee today when we come right back. If I stay here, I'll go nuts. That is so fantastic. From Animal Crackers, the great Groucho Marx, and uh, Captain Spaulding, just one of the things that you'll see Frank Ferranti do with his Evening with Groucho here in Chicago, Hotel Cambria, November the 22nd. Is it more exhausting to do your Groucho show than the, uh, the Zazu? Yeah. Well, it's a 90 you minute. Try it with your microphone on this time. Uh, <laughs> now I'm doing an evening with I'm, Harpo, it I'm turns a, out. <laughs> I'm imagining that he's saying, yes, it is, Dean. <laughs> yes, it is, Dean. Yeah, well, it's two, It's a two act comedy, and it's, it's, it's so physical. I jump off the stage, as you say, I stand on tables. I, I have really no one to rely on. I don't get any breaks. Uh, but that's part of the excitement of it. It all rests on my shoulders. So it lives or dies by my energy and performance and acuity. And uh, boy, it's is it it's fun though. And uh, now I think when I saw you do this show live, I think uh-huh. it was pretty much like people of all ages, backgrounds. Uh, it's not like you're just going to see old people going to see an old performer. There's something very yeah. timeless about the the comedy and style of Groucho Marx. Yeah, I, I, thanks for saying that. I mean, I I see it more and more. I mean, it is a mixed audience. I uh, I went to the show in uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico, of Groucho. I, Alamogordo, you say? The fact that I could even pronounce it is uh, remarkable right. enough, let alone remember it. Um, but uh, and I, I was in the audience, and there was a 94 year old woman sitting next to a seven year old boy, and they're laughing at the same improv that i'm doing at the same time yeah. the 94 year old woman had seen the marx brothers in animal crackers wow. in the broadway tour the seven-year-old had never been in a theater before and that says a lot about groucho marx and his power yeah. and his humor right and so i for 35 years i had all i have all these opportunities to break it in and do and be an, a vaudevillian someone on the road who gets to get better hopefully with every time he does it so i always want to be better for me, you know, I had a friend of mine who was a director who said, Frank, you treat every performance as if it's an opening night on Broadway. Well, to me, it is. Whether I'm playing Alamogordo or Chicago or New York or London, I have to make everyone feel it and feel the same passion and love that I have for it. And though it is uh, exhausting, it's fulfilling. I feel like I have to give every ounce. And I have to represent the funniest man in the world. To, to a lot of people, Groucho is the, right. the, you know, the, the comedian of the country. Well, and, uh, you know, it's not just audiences that are saying that and people who are enjoying seeing your Groucho show on uh, PBS stations all over the country. This is the the Groucho Marx family that has said, Frank, we trust you with our father, our grandfather's uh, legacy, the legacy 
of these uh, comedy legends. Oh yeah, it's very um, it's um, it's moving to me. Yeah, uh, you know, I was very close to Arthur Marks, Groucho's son, who hired me when I was a kid to play his dad on stage in New York and London. Groucho's daughter Miriam. I'm, I was I were I was their trustees. We, I became that close. Right, right. But Andy Marks is Groucho's grandson, and uh, we're friends. And so we go on social media and we sing songs and talk. But to to have their approval means a lot. Yeah. Uh, Groucho Marx, uh, I, how can you even measure the amount of laughter he conjured over? He still does a hundred years. Can you imagine a hundred years? It's amazing. Yeah, and that I get to be a facilitator and. I just I'm proud of it. I think he would have loved it. People ask me what Groucho have approved. Well, all I know is his his family did. Yeah. Maury Riskin, who wrote Animal Crackers and Night at the Opera. I met him when he was 90. He saw the show. He loved it. It just I'd like to think he would have appreciated it. He's got an actor's ego. We want to live forever. And, and he will. Well, you do such a good job at keeping it alive and fresh and uh, Thanks. interjecting uh, just, you know, what today's audiences need with that. It is an evening with Groucho at uh, Hotel Cambria, uh, November the 22nd, again, to get tickets. The- it's uh, it's the uh, it's www.cabaretzazu.com, cabaretzazu.com. Yeah, if you're driving or something right now and can't write all that down, just let us know and we'll pass along uh, the info so we do this uh, annual show every year out mm-hmm. at uh, tree time christmas creations this would be perfect for you because it's uh the 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 store is just packed with uh wgn uh, listeners and you <coughs> working uh you know crowds and it being so improv you'd be perfect for this except you have a show at noon i don't know how we get you uh from lake barrington Back here downtown Chicago to do your show in time. Well, let's try. It starts at 9 a.m., you say? We start at 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, even if I went from uh, at 9.30 to 10.30 or 9, 9.15, let's, let's work it out. I could be Groucho or I can be the character in Cabaret Zazu. Well, what, well let's, let's uh, discuss it. So uh, I would love to meet your, your listeners. Yeah, Frank is, uh, uh, is a, de- a, definite, a very de- definite maybe. Okay. <laughs> That's we, right. <laughs> if we can uh, work this out. So let's, let's try to do that. It sounds like fun. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to work on uh, seeing if we can get a contortionist. All right. Well, I like you... to do as many visual things as possible on the radio. Things that... <laughs> Like the radio audience. If you're out there with us at Tree Time in Lake Barrington, it's great. Right. If you're listening to the radio, you're completely lost. And, it, and it's all live on radio, the and whole it, thing. It's all live. Wow, that's beautiful. The whole thing is live. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to be there. Count me in. And one of my personae. Okay. All, all right. right. Will you show up in costume? Of course. I'd show up. You Name the character. I'll show up as that character, Dean. You get the pick. Spin the wheel. The wheel of characters. Was the idea that you would be on on the tollway as Groucho Marx driving <laughs> driving through a toll booth as Groucho Marx, well, <laughs> one of your many one of your many characters. That- yes, I remember doing a, a Marx Brothers show when I was in high school, and a bunch of us were in were in a car, sixteen, seventeen year olds, and we were pulled over by the police. And oh. I'm in the back seat of that car, dressed up like Groucho. That was a tough one to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Why did the cop react to that? Uh, he goes, you're Groucho Marx. So well, so well, yeah. Right now, I am. Uh, we didn't we didn't get busted though, but we were precocious. I can't imagine you as I'm trying to imagine what a what a young uh, what a what a young Frank Ferrante would be like. You know, I play these crazy wild characters. I met your kids. Your kids are delightful. Yes, I almost don't even believe they're your kids <laughs> because they're well mannered. 
the oh, well. they, they've never taken their shoes and socks off uh, in a studio in a in workplace a studio and put them on the table. That's true. They're they're very very nice. They are so, good kids. So I'm trying to imagine what you would have been. Well, like you know that. what I I think what I do is a reaction, Dean, and you know what I'm talking about to being a relatively self conscious and shy kid. So when you see Groucho, you go, oh my gosh, you could be nuts. Yeah. The world he's playing by different rules than anyone else. Right. And so I love playing characters like you know pseudolists and in a funny thing happened with the forum big characters or. Yeah. Or, you know, this, you know, different, just wild. I love farce. I love big characters. I love Groucho. I love playing the Caesar. I love playing this forte. So, but when I met Groucho, I was this shy kid, 13 years old. And my father took me, took the day off to visit, to visit Groucho Marx at a, at a, a, a he was promoting a book. And Groucho was like, on the way, he was about to keel over. I mean, he was 86, not well. He should not have been out. Uh, but there was my superhero. And uh, I tell you the story because I was, like, trembling. I was so thrilled to see th- this god of comedy. And he mumbles, and he mumbles with the first part of the, this presentation. And then someone, someone asked Groucho. We're waiting for him to be Groucho, to be insulting. And right. a woman asked him, Groucho, uh, are you making any new Marx Brothers movies? And he looked at her slowly and said, no, I'm answering stupid questions. <laughs> And I swear to you, that kind of rudeness and audacity and, that's oh, you that's what you want. A, a thousand people, mostly young people, 20, 20s, high school, yeah. college, burst into uh, uh, laughter and applause. And a, a woman asked at that same, at that same uh, event, uh, Groucho, um, uh, what do you dream about? And he looked at the woman and said, not you. Uh. <laughs> It's like, yes, and the people went crazy. So I love how irreverent he is and how um, just he says what he wants to say, and yeah. we can't do that in the world. And yeah. and that's why we'll be talking about him 100 years. We won't, but others will be talking right. about him 100 years from now, 200 years from now. And I feel like I get to go all over the world for the last 35 years and share this yeah. magic. He was electric. And I try to try to project this yeah. madness and fun and spirit and naughtiness. Uh, and wit. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we can get uh, Frank to insult you at uh, tree time uh, for our big holiday spectacular. We'll see if we can make all that happen. In the meantime, you can see him in uh, 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 Cabaret Zazu uh, at Hotel Cambria and his uh, Groucho show, An Evening with Groucho, uh, November 22nd. And uh, again, tickets at uh, cabaretzazu.com. Cabaretzazu, Z A Z O U dot com. You have to be on stage in less than a half hour, right? I got to go. Dean, I'm sorry. Hello, I must be going. Must be. It's 1138. Good morning to you, Dean Richards, Sunday morning. On the air from beautiful downtown Chicago on a beautiful day. Beautiful day for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, his movie Black Adam, uh, a huge blockbuster. Uh, looks like it's going to wind up somewhere around $67, $69 million by the time all the counting is done at the box office. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I didn't love it. Uh, you know, this uh, it's a comic book movie. It's the, based on the DC comic character Black Adam. The movie is mostly special effects. Not a lot of story to it, but uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, the great Pierce Brosnan, uh, 007, is uh, you know one of the superhero characters in the movie. Aldous Hodge, who you know from uh, a bunch of different movies, is Hawkman in the movie. 
Uh, if you like special effects, explosions, you know, that sort of thing, this is uh, definitely the movie for you. Uh, Ticket to Paradise, the George Clooney and Julia Roberts movie, is going to be uh, a strong runner-up to that. More on that in a second. Uh, the scary movies, Smile and Halloween Ends, wind up being the third and fourth biggest movies of the weekend. And then the family film, Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile, running out the top five. So the romantic comedy is back, thanks to uh, the two people who I consider to be the Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn of today, George Clooney and uh, Julia Roberts. Uh, It's a a delightful uh, little movie. Uh, And this will just give you a little bit of a taste of what Ticket to Paradise is about. Oh, come on. You've got to be kidding me. Excuse me, ma'am. I need to sit somewhere else. We used to be married. Worst 19 years of my life. We were only married for five. I'm counting the recovery. In four days' time... Our daughter's going to marry a guy she just met in Bali, millions of miles from home. I just really want to kiss you. It's like I looked up for the first time and realized everything I ever wanted was right in front of me. She's throwing her career away. Just like her mother did. So I'm the only one who can stop her. She doesn't listen to him. Champagne! Oh, two, please. Just leave the bottle. Thank you. Yeah, they're uh, a formerly married couple uh, who do nothing but bicker the whole time. Uh, The daughter, played by uh, Caitlin Deaver, uh, who we'll also hear from in just a few moments, meets a young, handsome native, Maxime Bautier is the uh, the actor's name. Uh, and uh, the, these parents, even though they can't stand each other, uh, decide to uh, join forces to try to break up the marriage of their daughter. And so there's, there's plenty of uh, dysfunctional uh, relationship comedy, uh, you know, the, the, the Clooney and Roberts have such chemistry on screen, and uh, that plays uh, such a big part of this whole thing. They are delightful in this movie. Uh, the movie itself is absolutely beautiful. It wasn't shot on Bali. It was shot on a, another remote island uh, where uh, during the pandemic, so they were able to be isolated and uh, shoot this movie at the same time. The movie is gorgeous. It's funny. It's romantic. It's silly. Uh, I I liked it a lot. I wound up giving it a Dean's List B+. So when we got together uh, in Los Angeles uh, about a week, maybe two weeks ago now, something like that, uh, sat down with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts is gorgeous in uh, a flowing pink uh, outfit. Uh, I'm wearing a suit uh, because I've interviewed them both many times. Wanted to look respectful for them. Clooney, polo shirt and jeans. And that's why I started off the interview like this. Some of us cared about how we looked today. Yes, it's yes. Really and, some of, and then the rest of us wore pink. <laughs> Wow, that was really awful. See, that's what an old friend will do for you. You know what? This was one of my questions when I watched this movie, which I loved, by the way. I had so much fun watching this. I wondered, because of your longtime friendship, Mm -hmm. if the scenes when you were bickering at each other Mm -hmm. were more fun or scenes that were not bickering scenes. Well, we like the bickering ones because it made us laugh. Yeah. And also, we like that, like, rapid fire. Yeah. Kind of, and I think, and also because we both have known each other long enough, we feel perfectly comfortable being rotten because we know it's not. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. personal. And honestly, he's it's fun. very comfortable being rotten to me. Oh, by the yeah. way, I still am. Yes, 
No, there's a there was a funny moment though when we when we were screening the movie where you were like, we're really no being awful. No, I I, I, I forgot. Like it's mean when you put it all together like that. Yeah. There's some mean things. And some things that I know George made up and said, and so they're even meaner. Yeah, they yeah. even more. Maybe some things right he was here. holding in all of Maybe. these years that finally had the opportunity. I to, got the chance on camera. Yeah, yeah. do it. Got if paid. You can get, do yeah. it. Paid. Damn, get paid. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Um, what What is the key to a, a great romantic comedy? They went. They were all over the place, and they were great, and then they went away. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this I is think I'm bring the back. expert. I'm the expert on romantic. Mm. Comedy. Yes. Why don't yeah. you answer? So this? let me yeah. uh, let yeah. me explain mm-hmm. to you what the uh, what's the secret? The secret what's is the secret uh, you got to get uh, Julia in a romantic comedy, and then that's the secret. That's it. Done. That's the whole secret. That's the secret. That's I think the secret to what you were saying. There was a time where there were all these great romantic comedies, and it kind of went away. And I think we didn't realize a good thing when we had it because they're very hard to make. And I think we got, we lucked into this time where there were a number of really great romantic comedies, and we didn't we as audience members didn't realize um, how hard it is. It really. You know, it takes so... You have to be originally, you have to be with the right people. Yeah. I mean, there's an alchemy that exists that is really a house of cards yeah. um, that's unique to romantic comedy. I, I think the chemistry is so key, myself, yeah. and the fact that you you both have real-life history, mm. that it's so it's it's really believable that you yeah. are... What did you say? At one point you said, I, I think they, everybody kind of assumes they, they know exactly how... Yeah, I think half of America thinks we are divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Which is convenient since we're married to other people. Yeah, both of you. Right? Um, yeah, I also think, listen, I think that with the exception of very few romantic comedies, you know how they're going to end. And so you just have to enjoy the journey. And so I think you're right. I think it's about how, how the, the characters get along and all that kind of stuff. Because you'll see, you know, really the, the best of them are the ones where you, you don't care how it, you know how it's going to end, but yeah. you, want, you want to see it anyway. Yeah. Though I think the funeral at the end of our movie is surprising. I can't believe that everyone died. That was so weird. <laughs> surprising. Surprise ending. Spoiler yeah. alert, everybody. Don't want to blow it. Spoiler. Wow. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Uh, such a beautiful movie. Wow, what a place to make a movie. And yeah. during the pandemic, I he- I've heard the story now of how it was perfect during the pandemic to be in such a remote place. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of the movie, you're in my city of Chicago. Yeah, yeah baby. Uh, it, or so it seems. Uh, I wish we had been. I just, I love I just Chicago. learned from the director that this was all electronically done. But all well, fake Chicago. But you know, I, I thought do about love the-, the many times that <laughs> when you were doing ER and we used to stand on the Chicago Bridge, River Bridge and watch you guys shooting on the riverfront. I'm, we were just talking about that the other day because I've, I've shot so many things in Chicago over the years. And it's, you know, in many ways it was a real second home for the five years we were there because we were there every every month, you know, shooting. And it's such a, it's a, you know, they, they sort of called it a big small town. It really is. You tend to know everybody. I did a play at Steppenwolf there and I really have a great, affinity for Chicago. I love that town a lot. I love it more. I love it more. I love it the most. I love My everything. best friend from high school, Paige Sampson, lives mm. in Chicago. Oh, really? Well, I have friends that I pay. To be your friend. To be my friend. <laughs> the movie is called Ticket to Paradise. It is in theaters now in just a moment. Meet the young actors who play George Clooney and Julia Roberts' kids in the film. Next. Chicago's very own WGN. 
Richards Sunday morning on WGN. Continuing our A-list interviews with the stars, George Clooney and Julia Roberts, a moment ago, playing the uh, daughter of uh, Clooney and Roberts in this movie is Caitlin Deaver, who you know from uh, a whole bunch of television shows and some movies, and newcomer Maxime Bautier. He plays the young native boy who falls in love with the daughter while she's on vacation. She decides to chuck her whole life and stay on the island and marry her. That's what Clooney and Roberts uh, in their characters go to the island to try to break up uh, this wedding. Caitlin Deaver and Maxime Bouvier. Shoot, in that place at that time, I was it. I, I would have been so distracted and never come out of my... You know, off off the beach. I think of yeah. uh, was it difficult to shoot under situation? Uh, situa- oh, I mean, it was just so. It was the most beautiful place I've ever I've ever been to. Yeah. We were shooting on this tiny island uh, off the coast of uh, Queensland on the Whit Sundays, mm-hmm. um, and particularly on Hamilton Island. It was like a three mile long, three mile wide. Yeah. Island, and we were just like running around on golf carts every day, and having the best food. And I was there with my sister, and I just I, we were constantly, even back uh, on the Gold Coast, I was doing like beach walks every single yeah. day, every morning. It was well, we so were nice. we were going to the beach to work, you know. So it was that type of you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah not a terrible uh, nope. <laughs> day at the office. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Um, talk to me uh, a little bit about making a romantic comedy. Hmm. Uh, I mean, they were so commonplace. Yeah. And most of them were good back in the day. Yeah. And then suddenly they just went away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what's the key to doing this genre uh, successfully, do you think? I mean, I think all about like spontaneity and just like keeping it fresh on set was like the big part. And I guess George and Julia are like best friends off screen, you know, so that kind of helps, you know. I mean, for us, we, I mean, like me, I had the serious uh, character, you know, where like I, I'm very wise about what I'm saying and like trying to protect their daughter and like, you know, trying to um, ease them the fact that like she's going to marry me. Like we've met in like a month or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like having that comedy genre and like also like have that serious moments, you know, you kind of have to have kind of that, yeah, fresh feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know. The dialogue is so good. It all is is such an incredible writer director, and you know I think a lot of it was just about letting that um, sort of be what it is already, which is just natural and grounded. And then also finding you know the the moments that you and I have, the more natural moments that you and I had, just um, just our natural chemistry that we had. But mm-hmm. then also that also. Um, it goes for me and my relationship with my parents as well. I think there's a lot of like physicality that you can add to it that really makes it feel lived in, and you can see that history there. And um, but I think it's a lot about a lot of it is just about having fun and making sure because yeah. that really shows on screen. It does. Yeah. As does a chemistry. I think. Yeah. Everybody knows that George and Julia are longtime friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That certainly adds to it because. I mean, you you kind of believe that they had a past relationship. Totally. Yeah. That yeah. they're now resolving in this movie. Yeah. But, uh, you know, same with you guys. I mean, the chemistry 
between the two of you is palpable oh, in this. You. How do you develop that? I mean, did you first meet uh, uh, making this movie? We did you met, know each other before? We, we met, met through Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we met through screens between Unfortunately, hours of Yeah, no well, yeah. because of the pandemic yeah. and... We were full on, we were still full on the pandemic mm -hmm. era, so... We were we were going through a ten hour time zone difference, so it was like yeah, but um, yeah, it was I was starstruck because I knew you know, so I was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. immediate. I mean, yeah. once he came on screen, once he logged on, I knew that this was and and all to our director. He, we just knew that this was day. I remember talking, texting yeah. with him immediately after the Zoom was over, and we just knew. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing that something that's so impersonal, like a Zoom, yeah. I know. Well, would, would so be far able, apart, like that, yeah, you would yeah. be able to develop a relationship like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's the magic of movie making. You know, it's just like yeah. sometimes you just have to be like as open and as vulnerable as possible, and just like yeah. let it go and just like take everything in. Yeah. You know? So, uh, what's it like working with these old timers uh, in this movie? Just the worst. I have a hard time <laughs> wrapping my head around the fact that they're, you know, playing someone's parents. Uh, I'm still wrapping my head around it. Honestly, it's so cool. I've admired both of their work for so long. I'm obsessed with Pretty Woman and my best friend's wedding, and it's just so cool to be able to learn from Julia and to be just in her presence and to actually you know be able to call her a friend now is really like a really special thing and then George I'm I'm obsessed with up in the air I always have been and I just think he's you know doing the scenes with him like even the way the way he does dialogue you just like can't help but believe everything that comes out of his mouth and same <laughs> yeah. for Julia it's just like it's a real acting masterclass for sure and and on the side too they they were so welcoming and supportive of everyone on set and um that really is an important thing, you know, when they are as established as they are and to really make sure everybody on set felt comfortable and welcomed and um, made sure everybody was having a good time and making sure everybody was laughing and um, that was really important to the both of them. Yeah. Uh, job well done. Thank it was you. so entertaining to watch. Thank well, you. Yeah, there you go, Caitlin Deaver, who you know from uh, TV's Last Man Standing, among other projects, and newcomer Maxime Bautier. The movie is Ticket to Paradise in theaters now. So uh, you get to see cool things when you uh, you know break out of your normal routine a little bit. We've been talking uh, last night, our own Andy Mazur and uh, his wife, his new wife, Melina, had a beautiful wedding reception at Joe's Stone Crab down on, uh, what is that, like Rush Street? and Russian Grand, Russian Grand, something yes, like that? Yes, yes. Fantastic, beautiful, beautiful uh, celebration. And, uh, you know, so I'm waiting, for, you know, I, I valeted my car, uh, the best uh, $137 I ever spent. And uh, just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, slightly. <laughs> uh, but while while I'm sitting there, you know, waiting for my car to come around, um, I saw some amazing cars. Are there more amazing cars on the road that, uh, than ever before? Uh, it used to be on a you know on a Saturday night, you'd go out, and uh, you know, you people had their cars out. But while we're waiting, there's uh, like a brand new Corvette that looked like the Batmobile. That was sitting right there. Yeah. I had my car in the shop here a few weeks ago and happened to be looking at the new Corvettes. Wow. They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling everybody it was mine. 
<laughs> I bet you were. Oh, yeah, that's my car. See that? That's mine. Yeah, I'm just waiting. That's mine. Here for no oh, reason. Oh, really? Yeah. How big's the engine? Um, <clears throat> Pretty well, big. Just, it, yeah, good about size engine. About this big. Yeah. I hold my arms apart. About this big. <laughs> Pretty good size engine. But also, I isn't it, it's always like breathtaking when you see a Rolls Royce. Oh, yeah. Somebody was driving a Rolls Royce you know, down the street, and it's like everybody stopped. Everyone went, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It was gorgeous. You know, another car that's at that level is a Bentley. Yeah. Have you ever seen oh, yeah. Bentleys? Bentleys are the, beautiful. Yeah. Maseratis. Maseratis. I've a seen of, a number of cars those. like that out. Yep. Never used to be yep. cars. You know, back in the day when I, you know, I'm not on Rush Street on Saturday night very often. But back in the day when I was, you know, I'd be sitting there waiting for my gremlin to come around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, somebody might have a vet or a, a Firebird. Remember Pontiac Firebird? And then there was my 1975 Dodge Dart. Yeah. Those, yeah. Those were the, that's when a car was a car back then. <laughs> But last night, there's this vet, there's uh, this Rolls Royce that goes by, a Maserati, I saw, uh, not a Maserati, yeah, uh, yeah, I saw a Maserati or a Ferrari? Uh, no, I saw a Maserati. Okay. Uh, I didn't see a Ferrari. I didn't see a Ferrari, but but I ran across the story this morning, Rolls Royce is coming out with its first electric car. Oh, an electric car. Yeah. Because having a Rolls Royce isn't impressive enough. <laughs> now it has to be electric. Now it's electric. It's going to be called the Spectre. And uh, what do you think a car like that would cost? What's, what's your best guess to, to buy a, a brand new Rolls Royce electric um, Spectre? In the neighborhood of one fifty to 200000 $400,000. Oh! Oh! You know how many gremlins I could buy for $400,000? 12-13, Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGN. And we're off a little bit early today. Get ready for some Blackhawks hockey. Our pal Joe Baran, always look forward to hearing Joe on the air. And uh, so that'll be coming up at 12-30. So we have just a little bit of time for uh, an abbreviated uh, food time show today, our cooking and dining segment. By the way, on uh, TV this week, I'm going to be back cooking again. I've been off for the last couple of weeks. One, uh, because I was in Los Angeles doing interviews. And two, second week, I was out because I was in quarantine because I got the stupid COVID again. And uh, I'm feeling fine. I'm okay. I just, you know, I had a quarantine. Mild symptoms, no big deal. And uh, so I, w- I wasn't uh, cooking, but I am going to be this coming Wednesday, and I'm going to make something perfect for autumn. I'm going to be making the uh, uh, Cuban shredded beef, Ropa Vieja, uh, which is absolutely delicious and uh, so easy to make. So be watching Wednesday on the WGN TV Morning News uh, for that. So here's, uh, this is what I did during my week of uh, quarantine. I watched uh, every stupid TV show that you could possibly imagine, because that's all you can do when you're in quarantine. You can't go anywhere, do anything. You pretty much have to be, you know, isolated to one spot. So, uh, you know, I'm caught up on my uh, Burns and Allen shows and Jack Benny's, <laughs> you know, all the, all the old TV shows that I like. Uh, but uh, I went crazy watching cooking shows also, you know, and for somebody who likes to cook, that was actually quite enjoyable for me. 
Uh, America's Test test Kitchen is on practically all the time. I watched tons of uh, my pal Lydia Bastianich. I watched uh, Patty. I I can't. uh, Patty is it Zinich? Patty Zinich, who does the uh, Mexican food show. She's delightful. Love her show. Uh, Diane, uh, uh, Bast- uh, not Diane Bastianich, Diane, uh, oh, geez, I'm forgetting her last name from my, my, uh, oh, Diane Cochellis from, uh, My Greek Table, the Greek, uh, cooking show. Watched a ton of those. Uh, and now here's the big treat. This is the part that I enjoyed from being in quarantine. Uh, the uh, new season of Somebody Feed Phil premiered last week with Phil Rosenthal. Used to be the executive producer of Everybody Loves Raymond. That's where we actually got to know him from going out there and doing interviews with uh, the cast of Everybody Loves Raymond back in the day. Uh, but he's he's a bona fide uh, you know, TV foodie these days with his new show, which, is, by the way, is one of the best food shows that's on television. He's hilarious, and it's very informative and very, very, very well done. Uh, he his new season uh, takes him to Philadelphia, to Croatia, to Austin, Santiago, Chile, Chile, uh, to Nashville, and then he does one of his episodes is a tribute to his parents who passed away within the last year or so. Uh, tribute to Helen and Max, very sweet. Uh, he's he has comedians on at the end of each of the episodes, the way his dad used to come on and tell jokes. Now he has comedians coming on at the end of the shows uh, telling jokes, including the late Gilbert Gottfried, by the way, on on one of the episodes. So I can't recommend uh, Somebody Feed Phil enough. And if that's not enough, uh, my cooking hero, my food hero, Stanley Tucci is back in his search for Italy that's on CNN. Uh, oh, uh, Phil Rosenthal, by the way, on Netflix, if you're interested in watching that. But uh, searching Search for Italy... Uh, Searching for Italy with Stanley Tucci is on CNN. And that's that's another of the very, very, very best food shows that's out there right now. And he goes to different regions of Italy uh, and talking with local chefs and famous chefs and exploring. And they show how to make certain things. Uh, He, this uh, season, he's in Sardinia. He's in Calabria, Liguria, and Puglia. Puglia, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, so I can't cannot recommend these shows enough. If you're a foodie at all, you have to watch those shows. But it got me thinking, who are your favorite TV chefs? Who are your favorite TV chefs? Let me open up the phone line and let's get uh, your thoughts on some of this. Uh, chefs from the past, current chefs, who do you like? National, international, uh, 312-981. 7200. We'll jump to the phone here in a few minutes on WGN. WGN. 1221 Dean Richards, food time. Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show. We're talking uh, TV cooking today. We have a little mini segment before we go to Joe Brand with Blackhawks pregame in just a few minutes. So after I overdosed watching uh, TV cooking shows for the past week, I, I wondered who some of your favorites are. Do you watch the TV network? 
I will say that I love our pal uh, Jeff Morrow, local guy, local Chicago guy, but excellent uh, TV chef, great uh, recipes, great uh, presentation. The show that he's on, on the Food Network, The Kitchen, uh, they have a, a whole, just a whole panel of uh, great people on there. But, J- you know, Jeff is hilarious and very informative and uh, couldn't be a nicer guy. So I want to give him some uh, props uh, for that. On our text line, people are saying they love the new Bobby Flay cooking show on the Food Network. I haven't seen that, the new Bobby Flay uh, TV show. Uh, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. Does he do certain kinds of things? Uh, now that I think about it, I believe I interviewed Bobby Flay on, you know, on a like a satellite interview on our WGN TV news, and I believe he's he's got uh, like young young chefs who are competing against each other. That may be why I haven't seen the show. I'm not crazy about the food competition shows. I just think that's been done and overdone and overdone and overdone. Uh, so maybe that's why I didn't uh, watch it. Uh, let me see here. We've got um, here's ah here we go. Somebody saying uh, I love Martin Yang from uh, Yen Can Cook uh, on PBS. He was an early inspiration for me. I used to watch him all the time. I didn't even know he was still on. Are they still running his shows? I used to enjoy uh, Martin Yang. Um, t- uh, here's uh, the 630 area code. Top of my list is Ina Garten. The Barefoot Contessa, her newest cookbook, uh, just came out. I, I enjoy her. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. How about you, Steve? Who's your favorite TV chef? Well, I like Stephen Reichland because I love the way he barbecues things. Oh, yeah. he's He is the grill master of grill masters, isn't he? Oh, I just every sauce he makes, every steak he makes, every roast he makes is just absolutely awesome. Here's the sign of a great TV chef, in my opinion. You watch him, and you want to right away run out and get all the things that he just cooked and try to do it yourself, right? I agree. The only problem is he's got so many cool grills in his yard, or you know, wherever they shoot that out. You know, they're they're outside. And he's got the multi-level grills and the smokers and the green eggs. And he's got, like, all the coolest equipment that there is. And they're all brand new. Every single show you see, they're all brand new. He's got some great sponsors. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I agree. Thanks for the call, Steve. Have a great day today. (laughs) You too. Thanks. Thank you very much. Ruth, how about you? Hi. uh, My favorite chef from... Back in the day, you know, on Food Network is Emeril Lagasse. Oh, sure. He was on there every night at seven o'clock, and I didn't didn't miss the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I if, if he's still doing a cooking show, I haven't seen it. Now, when I see no. when I see Emeril, it's a like a infomercial. He's selling toaster uh, ovens or air fryers or something like right. that. Right, and I haven't seen that hour show that he used to have. You know, it's been a while, but you said from the past, and that was he was one of my very favorites. Yeah, I agree with that. How about, do you like Rachel Ray? Oh, yes. I like to watch her, too. Yeah. She was one of my, is one of my favorites, I should say, yeah. too. Yeah, she, when, she used to be on right after the WGN-TV morning news, so I, was, uh-huh. I would see her show more often because I was still in the office. And watch her yeah, watch her recipes. She's on at one o'clock now, so sometimes I, yeah. I don't get to see it as much as I used to. But she's a, like a very down home kind of cook. 
I, yeah. I, I really enjoy her, and she comes up with some terrific and delicious-looking recipes. I, I really enjoy her, like you said, down-home type. And uh, I really like listening to you, too, and uh, hearing these recipes that you have. They're so nice, <laughs> to get, and I've tried a few. Good, good. So, um, I pr- appreciate that. Now, you have a wonderful day today, uh, Ruth. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, here's the 847 area code. Dean, you are my favorite chef on Wednesday TV. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, every Wednesday, right around 930 in the morning, uh, that's when I do my cooking segment on the WGN TV morning news. I think you're going to love this week's recipe. I'm doing the Cuban ropa vieja. I think that's how you say it. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it's shredded beef with green peppers and capers and olives Oh, it's so good. And it's a really super, super simple kind of recipe. Uh, 630 area code. Uh, Dean, you can't really pick just one. My favorites are Julia Child. Oh, I love watching Julia Child. Those old shows of Julia are fantastic. The Galloping Gourmet. Uh, remember Graham Kerr? Uh, yeah, oh, he was fantastic. And Martha Stewart. Uh, just to name a few. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, somebody said, I love watching the cannabis cooking shows on Netflix. I know that I know that there have been cannabis cookbooks. I didn't know that there were cannabis cooking shows. I'm going to have to uh, look out for that. Uh, the 773 area code says, does Robin Baumgarten count as a chef? <laughs> On our WGN TV news, several times per year, Robin uh, does retro cooking. They dig up some of these old, great 60s and 70s recipes. Most of them have to do with the Jello mold, and Robin recreates them, and Paul Conrad eats them and washes it down, usually with an old style. It's very funny. Uh, yeah, of course, Robin counts as a, as a TV chef. Uh, five, seven, four area code. Dean, we love you. Favorite food show since we relocated to Northwest Indiana from Chicago. Thank you very much. That's uh, very, very nice of some of you to, uh, appreciate uh, my cooking segments. I got to tell you, I, I love the cooking shows. Um, I, I love doing them. They're so much fun. Uh, really, really, really enjoy them. Somebody here on on the line says the Galloping Gourmet went to prison. I don't think you're. I, I think you're mixing it up with somebody else. Galloping Gourmet was Graham Kerr, and I don't think he went to prison. But there was a famous TV chef who did go to prison. Can't think of his name, but I, it wasn't. Uh, it was not the Galloping Gourmet. It was uh, this other guy. He had a salt and pepper goatee. What the heck was his name? It's not going to come to me. I'm not going to remember it. And it doesn't matter because we're out of time anyway. Going get, to get ready for some Blackhawks hockey. The Blackhawks and the Kraken today. Joe Brand has all the pregame coming up in just a couple of seconds. Uh, we will see you tomorrow morning on Bob Siracho, as we always do.